What do you do after you finish a big project? Maybe you celebrate for a moment, or maybe you check it off on one giant to-do list. Standing advice is for you to jump into your next work. Get going on the next thing so you can keep producing your best pieces consistently. Sounds simple. Write a script or a novel or whatever. Rinse and repeat as often as necessary for fame and fortune. Nice and easy. So why is it so hard to jump into that next project anyway? I'm Matt Hampton, and this week on Confessions of a Working Writer, we're exploring the causes and searching for the cure to the common creative hangover. I just recently wrapped the first draft of a new book, a simple collection of scary stories for young readers that I thoroughly enjoyed working on. It was one of the most fun projects I've had in a long time, and honestly, I'm pretty excited to start editing it next month. After I finished it, I was elated. You can picture me jumping up and down like Rocky Balboa at the top of those famous Philly steps. Fireworks launched from my soul and filled the space in my little office. A smile stretched from ear to ear, and there was very little that could throw me for a loop. I'd done it. I'd sat down with a vision and made that vision a reality. It was amazing. It was exciting. Finishing a project, even just the first draft of a manuscript, is one of the best feelings for a writer. Now it was time to begin my next project. I sat down at my desk, pen in hand, and began working on ideas. New topics for podcasts, ideas for medium pieces, even a few new fiction concepts came forth with these. Idea after idea after idea just kept leaping to my mind. This feeling was also great, not going to lie. I was inspired, ready to do something new. My next project was going to be as much fun as the one I just finished. I absolutely knew this. This very podcast was going to have its best run ever. My medium pieces were going to help thousands of writers ditch the bullshit and do their thing. And the stories, ah, the stories, they were going to be amazing. All I had to do was write them. And that's where everything got a bit difficult. I sat down at my desk, picked an idea, and got ready to write. But everything that came out felt less than. Sure, I was putting words on the page. But the words, the sentences, and even the stories just seemed dull and lifeless. The work wasn't exciting me. I wasn't happy. Worse, I felt foggy and a bit depressed. My creative hangover had begun. And I'm still in the middle of it right now. Creative hangovers are more common than you think. Writers and other creatives often feel a sense of malaise, brain fog, and even depression following the completion of a big project. The attempts to move on and work through it often don't seem to help, so we find ourselves struggling as we try to move forward and often wonder if this means we are real writers or just pretenders to the name. We rarely talk about creative hangovers online because the prevailing culture of creatives is to present a face of hustle and grind to the world. 
This is only exacerbated by folks like Stephen Pressfield trumpeting the ideal of an indomitable work ethic as the mark of the superhuman writer template they call the professional. The message is simple. Real writers write piece after piece after piece without stopping for anything ever. But that message is garbage. Ideals aren't a reflection of the real world. Sure, there's something to aspire to, but they don't really represent what we do in our daily lives. I said earlier, I'm currently wrestling with a creative hangover myself. I want to take this opportunity to talk openly about them. What are they? What causes them? And just how do we find our way past them? I guess we should start with that first question. What exactly is a creative hangover? Creative hangovers are the emotional aftermath of completing a creative project. Often it's a larger project, like a manuscript for a novel, but it doesn't have to be. You can have a creative hangover following the writing of a single song or poem just as easily as you can have one following the painting of a mural. People experience creative hangovers differently. For me, it's a kind of depressed feeling, accompanied by some sluggishness and a consistent cycle of self-doubt as I wonder if the thing I just completed is the last good thing I will do. Hell, sometimes I even doubt it was really that great to begin with. But other writers I've talked to have described different creative hangover experiences. Some just don't want to come anywhere near creating. Others describe it as a sort of all-encompassing block where they can't get a single idea. One writer even told me their creative hangovers manifest as blasts of manic activity. But it's for everything other than creating. They pay bills, clean the house, sort clothes, and do every errand you can possibly imagine. But they don't create. One story they shared involved them taking a deep interest in pickling things rather than writing. Any port in a storm. Maybe the best way to describe a creative hangover is this. Creative hangovers are simply the dead space between the completion of one project and the beginning of the next. That dead space will vary depending on the person. Some creative hangovers are severe. Others are so small you can't even really tell they happened. Not every writer has them, but many do and often don't talk about them. Bam. There you go. It's a definition. But what causes a creative hangover? The easy answer is to say completing projects causes creative hangovers. It makes sense, right? You work on a big project, the project is finished, and the aftermath of a creative hangover ensues. Cause, effect, simple math. Or is it? If it were, then the completion of any project would result in a creative hangover. Every time you finished something, a creative hangover would automatically begin upon the finishing of the last word. Unfortunately, it's not that simple. Sometimes we deal with these little beauties and sometimes we don't. So if it's not completing a project, then what really causes them? One major cause is simply the loss of that great big focus you have during a larger project. When we dive into something like a book manuscript, we have this bigger goal guiding our actions. Our days are spent working on bits and pieces that will contribute to this larger whole and that gives us some more defined sense of purpose for individual creative sessions. That's a big picture focus you really need if you're going to write something like a novel. If you've never really taken on a larger scale writing project, this may not resonate with you. Writing 500 to 1,000 word blogs or articles happens on a shorter timeline. You don't need to put as much individual day-to-day -day effort into them. Not to say those efforts aren't worthwhile or challenging, they are. But bigger projects tend to give us a larger sense of purpose, something that guides us through the days especially if the timeline for those is over the course of months or years. When we finish the project, that focus goes away. Losing it thus gives us this kind of feeling of aimlessness and being lost. What are we doing now? 
writing another piece might not bring back that focus either because we got into the rhythm with that previous project. While I was working on my book draft, it became part of my everyday life. I talked about it, thought about it, and jotted down notes about it consistently. For a couple months, I tinkered away at it. Now that it's complete, my creative time does feel a bit aimless without that major goal sitting in front of me. Another cause is the dissonance between vision and reality. Look, when you work on a book manuscript, it's not uncommon to have daydreams about its massive success. A vision of your work exists inside your mind, and fantasizing about that vision is completely normal. Hell, it's how most of us manage to hammer away at bigger projects that have very delayed gratification and absolutely no guarantee of financial rewards. But the truth about any draft is that, well, it's just a draft. Your first draft of a manuscript won't be the finished project you picture. Now, if you write like I do, that draft will be littered with errors and some problems with continuity. My initial drafts always focus on just completing the basic story. Often details emerge about characters or plot points or setting that don't really seem to fit the rest of the piece. It's because I focus on banging out the first draft so I have something to edit. I know I'll need to work on it, so I don't try to be perfect as much as I try to be done. Still, when you look at that completed piece, compare it to the vision in your head, and have the sudden realization that it's not complete, that hits you. In my case, this is made worse by the fact that I complete a work only to have to shelve it for a month before I can edit it. And my memory is pretty good, not to brag. So I need some distance before I can approach a piece with new eyes. This can contribute to a creative hangover because, well, I just finished something and it's not the dreamy vision in my mind. And it's going to take a while to get to the dreamy vision in my mind if I ever get to the dreamy vision in my mind. Like this writing life has a lot of self-doubt and a good part of it is baked into the writing process itself. Drafts and editing can lead to some emotional impacts, and again, there's no shame in actually giving a damn about the work you do. But knowing where your creative hangover comes from is just part of it. You also need to know what to do when it sets in. Over the years, I've come up with four things I think help cure the common creative hangover. Be warned, fair listener, none of these are particularly miraculous steps. All of them are pretty basic, but... In my experience, that's what you need for a creative hangover. Don't overcomplicate things. Just do a few simple ones. For starters, don't criticize yourself for these feelings. Seriously, having a creative hangover doesn't make you less of a writer. Actually, it's the mark that this is the thing you're doing and that you're invested in it on an emotional level. Take your creative hangover as a sign that you are practicing a craft you care about as much, so much it has the potential to lay you low. Forget anyone who tells you differently including yourself. Practice some self-care. Take some walks, read a book, go to the gym, the spa, or even the deli. Yeah, especially go to the deli. Sandwiches are awesome. Creative hangovers are emotional reactions, legitimate emotional reactions. Sure, you can try to tough guy through it, but you probably won't succeed at much more than increasing your anxiety and frustration. Taking time to have some self-compassion and show yourself a bit of love is a good thing. I mean, hell, you're already celebrating completing something is a big win. Why not just extend the celebration a bit? Self-care is a concept we talk a lot about, but we don't really put it into practice that often. We feel bad, so we do something for ourselves. Maybe we take a beach walk, for example. Then, with the walk completed, we jump right back into the grind because we wouldn't want to engage in too much self-care now, would we? Forget that. When dealing with a creative hangover or any issue requiring self-care, take the time. 
Give yourself the care you need. You're under no obligation to rise and grind or fulfill any other productivity porn mantra. Take care of yourself. Focus on little stuff for the time being. You're going to be tempted to jump into working on the next novel, mural, opera, whatever big project is potentially teasing you from the corners of your mind. It'll seem like finding another monumental task to undertake will force you to move through it, but you're going to have a tough time moving forward when you're in the state of a creative hangover. So instead of jumping right into 5,000 word days on your quest for the next epic novel, maybe just write a few really nice sentences. Too much of our time as writers is spent working on great big things like novels and film scripts. Sometimes it helps to just go back to basics. And what could be more basic for a writer than the sentence? Write a few sentences. Maybe one of them will speak to you. And don't run off to pound out that novel just yet. Write another. Then another. Focus on the sentence. Keep writing single sentences and see what you come up with. Maybe it's a short story. Maybe it's a poem. Maybe it's just a collection of sentences. It doesn't really have to be anything. This is just you getting back to basics, focusing on small things and performing an act where the pressure is at its lowest. Simple, low-pressure things are great for creative hangovers. Maybe the best thing you can do for your creative hangover is talk about it. Trying to hide it and pretend like everything is fine doesn't really benefit anyone, least of all you. Sure, some random people on the internet think you're constantly working and crushing it as you move through the day of an average writing badass. But you know the truth. You're not doing anything, and it all feels like a struggle. Talking about it with your friends and writing community opens the door for them to have some compassion and offer whatever help they can. Other writers will likely have experienced a creative hangover too, whether they've talked about it or not. They might even have some advice to help. At the very least, they're a reliable shoulder to cry on. Some of your friends might only be able to offer a hug. Take it. Hugs are good. None of our problems, from creative hangovers to really tough mental health issues, are made better by suffering in silence. Keeping quiet, soldiering on, and taking it and faking it till we make it are all the ingredients for disaster. Reaching out to others not only invites them to show us love, compassion, and support, but it also raises a flag to others who may be suffering in silence and tells them, you don't have to. Maybe it's just my creative hangover talking, but aren't we writers tired of pretending we're crushing it typing on a beach with an umbrella drink? I know I am. Maybe we should just talk instead. It helps. Ultimately, creative, writing, creative hangovers go away with time. The best you can do is find a way through them. Denying their existence isn't the answer. Pretending you're too tough to be stopped and forcing your way through, well, it might work for a bit, but eventually you'll fall down once more possibly harder. Creative hangovers aren't all bad, though. Think about it. They happen because you care. You love your work enough to be emotionally invested in it, and as a result, there is something missing when a project is completed. If there was ever a sign that you, my friend, are an artist, this is it. There's nothing to be ashamed of here. But I understand why you might feel otherwise. Hell, I feel otherwise as I wrestle with a creative hangover right now. Part of me feels like a failure because I'm dealing with this after so many years of writing, and it doesn't get any better with a constant stream of internet hustle culture and grind porn pumped out from every available orifice of the digital world. If I have to read one more Pressfield War of Art reference in a Medium article, I might just throw my laptop out a window for distance. 
how do I have a creative hangover this many years in the game? I thought I was a pro, but here I am all curled up and wrestling with the same problem. What does that even say about me? What does that say about any writer? Well, simple. It says you're a human. Years ago, I was in the military working a night shift fixing airplanes when I got word that a good friend of mine had been killed in Iraq. Devastated is an understatement for how I felt. But I was a young man in the military, and I thought I needed to be tough and stoic. So I jumped hip-deep into work. Fortunately, my sergeant that night and a dear friend to this day got worried about me working like I was possessed by a demon. So he did what good leaders do and tried his best to find out what went wrong and how he could help. I did not make this easy. But in the morning, he had gotten the first sergeant to come there, and he was waiting for me, ready to help put me on leave so I could mourn my friend and get my stuff together. At first, I resisted his efforts. I could work through this, I told them. I was a professional. What they said back to me became a core bit of advice I've held close my whole life. Matt, the best among us is at best human. I'm doing my best to remember that advice right now. Self-care and little things fill my days. Recording this podcast you're listening to right now is one of those simple creative acts I can do. It helps me, and it just might help someone else. More than anything, I just try to remember that this too shall pass. And if I'm going to leave you with anything, it's those two bits of advice. The best among us is at best human, and this too shall pass. Whether you're having a creative hangover now, will have one later, or have no idea what I'm talking about and are pretty convinced I'm full of it, these two things are the key to making the dead spots in this writing life pass a little bit easier. So remember, you're human, this will pass, and you're not alone. Thank you.